great British manufacturing podcast brought to you by MTD, MFG and Jefferson. Hello and welcome to the Great British Manufacturing Podcast. On this week's show, we will review the latest positive news in the British manufacturing sector and welcome a special guest, Andrea Wilson, a director of Hone All Precision. But before we start, I'd like to mention the Factory Now platform. New members are joining the platform every week, which has been launched to help British manufacturers boost sales, collaborate and reshore. Members include construction giant JCB, and Coventry-based electrical vehicle manufacturer, LEVC. But Stuart, this week, you know, we're going to have a bit of a roundup of what's happened in August, aren't we? The, you know, it's the first podcast of the month and we thought it would be a good idea to look back at some of the highlights. So despite the holiday, it's proven to be a stellar month for the manufacturing sector. Um, to start with, let's start with the PMI figures, the backup again, great news. Yeah, absolutely. And this kind of support the thing about what is typically a quiet month for the sector. So British factory output grew for 15th consecutive month in August. UK manufacturing reading for the period was 60.3, followed by the 50 mark in its growth. And despite supply chain challenges, confidence is at a three-month high, employment has risen for the eighth month in a row. Yeah, yeah. Long may it continue. Uh, moving on, lots of good news for the automotive sector. Uh, we probably can't cover it all what happened in August, but there's lots from Nissan, um, Lotus and plenty of others as well. Absolutely. So, yeah, I'll just run through five or six. Um, Magna International supply to Nissan has officially opened its new manufacturing plant in Sunderland. 300 people will be employed at the factory when it's at uh, full capacity. Uh, same with Nissan. Nissan's factory partner envisioned a AESC has submitted plans for a new £450 million gigafactory in Sunderland. Um, Gistamp is creating 130 jobs at its Newton Aitcliffe factory after securing new long-term contracts with JLR, BMW and Nissan again. Um, Rightbus is set to create 300 new jobs after winning a string of new orders. The firm is also will also offer 120 existing temporary workers permanent positions. It ramped up its um, site in Palomina. And finally, what electric vehicle company, WEVC, announced plans, has announced plans to build up to 5,000 electric vehicles per annum in the factory in the Midlands. So, huge amount going on in the sector, which is great to see. Yeah, and all that within the automotive sector within the month of August. Astonishing, really. Um, you know, speaking of other sectors, I know there's been several large projects announced in the renewable sector. Yeah, we've covered a couple um, on previous podcasts. So Siemens, they announced plans to invest £186 million pounds with government support funding its wind turbine blade plant in full. The investment will more than double the size of the site and new jobs. And um, GRI Renewable Industries is to build a new £78 million pound wind turbine tower factory in the UK. I think this is Able Marine Park on the number, um, again, with, with, with support from the government. And the Spanish firm's investment is expected to create 260 jobs. And Stuart, we need to take a break there from this week's roundup to introduce our special guest, who is no other than Andrea Wilson, Director of Hone All Precision. Andrea, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Good to be on. Thanks for asking me. Um, just to start with, we always like to find out a bit about you. So tell us about your career to date, uh, your current role and your responsibilities, I guess. Uh, well, I'm one of the directors at Hone All Precision based in Leighton Buzzard. 
Um, basically, I've been here for 28 years now, so um, not really much of a history other than here, but generally I look after everything, all the aspects of running the business, overseeing the business, um, including obviously one of your main interests, the sales and marketing side. Yeah, and we see a lot of that as well, so keep it up. But just secondly, just an overview of the company for the few people that are listening that don't know of Honor. Um, yeah, please tell us more. Yeah, we're based in Leighton Buzzard. We're a small business, an SME. Um, we have 40 people here, really good, strong, loyal team. Most of them have been with us 10, 15, 20 years plus, with our most longest serving been 33. Um, we are a subcontract machinist. And we specialize in deep hole boring, deep hole drilling, CNC turning, and CNC honing. Um, in layman's terms, we make tubes of all different shapes and sizes. So, starting from the very small and hip screws all the way through to massive rocket launch tubes and, and replica 16th century cannons. Amazing. Morning, Andrea. Thanks for joining us. And uh, in, in addition to all the responsibilities you have with Honol, um, you're um, campaign for a dedicated minister for manufacturing has achieved great traction on, on social media. People who aren't familiar with the campaign, could you please give us an overview? What you hope to achieve? You know, why it came about? Who you're working with? And what the future holds for that campaign? Yeah, it, it really started as it's been one of my passions. I mean, I've been trying to help and advise and take any opportunities offered to assist the engineering and manufacturing sector for the last 25 years. You know, started off with Cranfield University and basically have worked my way through the variety of rebranded agencies, including the Automotive Academy, the Skills Academy, SEMTA, SFA, EDA, when we had the development agencies and Make UK for the past 12 years. Um, I'm a big believer that if you don't actually um, try to change things, then you aren't really entitled to have an opinion. Um, and going back quite a few years at one of the Make UK conferences, I asked Vince Cable whether he thought that we should actually have a dedicated minister for engineering and manufacturing or manufacturing and innovation. And he said, well, I think we do a pretty good job as we are, don't you? <laughs> um, I was like, no, that's why I'm asking the question. Um, I, I've seen over these last 20 years a variety of businesses and really passionate people invest their time and show a variety of politicians around all the premises, um, uh, buying them into what we do, educating them on what we need, showing the value that we represent, um, not just locally, but to the economy as a whole. And within six months or 12 months, they've disappeared. You know, there's a cabinet reshuffle, or they're suddenly in charge of something that's totally unrelated. And all that hard work, all that effort, all that time invested is lost. Um, and I just think it's time to start doing things differently. Um, we need someone who can, who is as passionate as we are about engineering and manufacturing, because the people who are involved in this campaign are from all industries and all sectors, um, but they believe that manufacturing is so, so important to the economy. And the issues that we've seen with Brexit and with COVID and the supply chain problems that we've experienced and even now are still experiencing are actually creating an environment where we, we've actually got a chance now to actually push the importance of the UK supply chain and everybody in it, from the people who have the initial idea to the OEMs, 
basically having a voice within government that gives us a much more strategic, long-term plan. You know, the industrial strategy got scrapped, and I heard your interview with Kwasi Kwarteng and his reasons for that. And fair enough, in my opinion, that the industrial strategy really didn't cover much for SMEs anyway. Um, it was too, you know, big blue sky. Um, and for us, we need the government to start understanding that in a lot of cases, they do a lot of really good things, but they're not tailored to SMEs in any way, shape or form. You know, we, we are a totally different entity, and yet we make up probably 95% of the actual supply chain within the UK. So there's amazing support schemes. You know, all this money gets put to the left. None of it ever is coming to the SMEs. So, you know, if you look at the Sharing and Growth Programme as a, as a typical example, I've been very fortunate. I challenged the Sharing and Growth Programme um, and applied for it when in reality we were nowhere near their desired parameters. So it's suitable for businesses, 10, 15 million. It's a complete business transformation programme. Now, I've been lucky. I've been accepted onto that. Well, we're, we're going through the initial um, diagnostics to make sure that we're suitable for full funding. But prior to that, I went looking for funding over this past 12 months and everything that was available to an SME and a business our size was very piecemeal. So I could have five grand for strategy work with um, Innovate UK. I could have a few grand working with DTI or you know DIT on international trade and my website. But every single one of those is so administratively heavy that the money that I'm supposedly getting is not really coming to me. It's swallowed up by a variety of people and agencies who are there sort of giving this stuff out. Whereas you look at the Sharing and Growth Programme, there's one administrative task which then enables and allows you to access funding across every level and every skill within that business. Now, we need a more holistic approach, you know, and I also want to see people stop being able to charge £500 an hour, which that's what I've been quoted on some of these consultants that are gaining this work from that's funded by government. Um, because that £500 an hour, we invest hundreds of thousands of pounds in our equipment, we're lucky to make 50 to £100 an hour on that equipment. So we need a different approach. There's money out there the government are giving it's just not been used efficiently and effectively. And we need to apply business principles rather than political tick boxes. I think most people would, would agree with that. I mean, even if you've had a minister from, you know, a dedicated minister for manufacturing, isn't there a danger that the administration of any kind of funding, that, you know, central funding, would still go through the existing channels to, to SMEs? Or do you... Do, do, do you have a different vision for, for, I know you want a, a, a holistic approach, do you have a different vision for how that would be um, filtered down to, to the SME community? Yeah, I think we're hoping that we can show how SMEs are different. We can explain our case. We can explain why what we need is slightly different to what the big boys are basically asking for and getting. And in quite a few cases, I've sat on a number of, of, of board meetings and roundtables and I hear, um, let's just say, some of the UK's most powerful OEMs sitting around that table telling the politicians what their SME supply chain needs. But they don't have a full understanding of what we need. 
because they're not the ones on the shop floor. They're not the ones dealing with the issues that a small business of 20, 30, 40 people are actually facing on a day-to-day basis. So I think what we're hoping, whether it's a minister or whether it's somebody within government, whether it's a, a small, an SME commissioner, czar, whatever you want to call them, I really don't mind. As long as it's somebody who is there um, for a, a, a longer period, you know, somebody who fights, for example, for um, the government have, have been really good with the capital allowances, you know, that's great. But a business like mine and, and those up to sort of maybe the next bracket of investment, we plan our investments over five, ten years, not one year. So quick fix tick boxes to sort of, you know, make everybody feel a little bit better are all well and good. And we're very, very grateful, but they don't allow us to actually plan for the long term. And the UK needs a strong UK supply chain long term. You know, the last 18 months has proven that. Um, and so, yeah, I'm hoping, I'm not expecting it to change overnight, no. But what we can do is is give examples and show where some of the processes they have in place, some of the schemes they have in place work and work well. We can also show them where they don't and where government money is really, you know, not getting the return on investment that it should. Um, when we had the development agencies regionally, I know... I can only speak for mine because I was quite, you know, heavily involved with the manufacturing side of Eager at the time. Um, they had to show their return on investment for every pound they were given. And Eager was one of the good development agencies, I'm told, that had a really good return on investment. But how often is that now judged on the other schemes that are out there and the other funding streams that are available? Yeah, and uh, you know, I I agree with everything you said. To be honest with you, so and what you what you're asking for really is a bit more of a, a voice, aren't you? It's fair to say if the government wanted to, to find out how the state of the manufacturing is, is is you know as large as your voice is on social media, you're probably going to be a fair way down the the pecking chain, aren't you? Um, whereas ma- manufacturing SMEs collectively. You know they need a voice, don't you? We we know the stats off the top of our head. They're pretty much eighteen percent of GDP, two point seven million uh, jobs at the last count. You know, forty five percent of exports. And I guess all you're saying is we need a voice. Yeah, you know, it's. I went to one particular round table and it was like a who's who of manufacturing. You know, I have five thousand employees in fourteen countries on sixteen different sites. Um, you know, and I sat there going, you know, I'm from Leighton Buzzard and we have, you know, at that point, 30 employees. Um, but the voice was drowned out because, you know, they're going to listen to people who have a massive economic impact and political sway. But they, they're they not seeing us as the collective strength and economic impact that we are. They don't, but they, I don't believe they're recognising that. Um, and as much as the trade associations and Make UK... Uh, and other people are doing a really good job. They've had a lot more to contend with, like dealing with Brexit and, and, and lobbying for, you know, COVID support, JRS grants, etc. So I think, you know, they've had other bigger, more generic fish to fry. Um, but for me, it's now about after 25 years, I'm hoping we can actually make a difference, get heard, have a voice. Whether I'm, you know, the one-man band who's basically 
you know, manufacturing replica parts for all these wonderful old classic cars, you know, or or it is, you know, the, the people manufacturing end products for uh, armed forces and the safety equipment that they're using. It, we're all SMEs and we're all a part of the UK supply chain and we're all contributing to that amazing amount of revenue. But on top of that, you've then got all the people that we're employing, you've then got all the supply chains that we're using and utilising ourselves. So, you know, that pitch is only one part of it. But when was the last time a, a company with five employees or 35 employees actually got an answer that went, yeah, actually, you're dead right. This is what we need to do. Let's change it. What, what kind of feedback have you had from other SMEs, with, you know, in, in um, they responded to your social media posts, Andrea? Massively positive. Um, I think, to be fair, when we did the poll initially, I think it came out in the end that 84% of people really did believe we needed a dedicated representative within government for this industry. Um, and in all honesty, the people who I think voted no, if you look at the comments within the post, it was more the people who don't necessarily have a trust or a belief in what a politician can deliver. So I don't think it's that they thought we didn't need a dedicated representative. It's just that they thought anybody within government wasn't necessarily going to do it for us. So when you look at the comments and you look at the, the, the rest of them, in, in reality, I think it was more representative to say that 95% of people agreed. Um, and I think particularly the SME voice, you know, the skills agenda, the government's response when the skills agenda came to the top of the political sort of popularity was for them to bring in the apprenticeship levy. Well, that did absolutely nothing for small businesses. It, it, it absolutely did nothing other than even in larger businesses drove down the number of take-ups of apprenticeships. So, you know, it actually did the reverse of what they were hoping to achieve in manufacturing. Um, when you're looking at skills and training, you look at my local colleges and you basically look at the equipment they've got. I can't send my apprentices to the local colleges because the equipment's either out of date or they don't have the skilled people within the college to train the skills. Um, you know, I was involved in helping set up one of the manufacturing, um, I won't say where or what, but they were setting up part of um, a, an engineering course within our one of the local colleges. And they expect all this equipment, but not in not one area had they actually spec any inspection equipment. So they were going to train all these engineers to machine these parts, but not train them how to check them. Wow. Would that happen inside my business if I was allowed, for example, a T&D tax credit, like an R&D tax credit, but for training and development? No, because we would basically be training those people on every aspect of our business and every aspect of what we do because they need to understand the entire business to understand their part in it. And in an SME, we are all part of one big machine, you know, from every level and every person who contributes to that business. If one of them's not here, as we've all learned through the pandemic, um, you know, it causes issues. Sure. And, and just on the campaign, obviously in its infancy, are they listening? Have you had any feedback from government at this moment in time? Well, we basically have been invited um, to go and speak to a small number of politicians who at this point need to remain nameless. Um, we're waiting for sort of after recess and they've got themselves 
you know, back up to speed. Um, so we're hoping that's going to happen within the next four to six weeks. Um, I've selected sort of six people who I feel are representative and who are also doing work themselves on trying to improve skills, um, trying to improve um, the supply chain issues, um, also are involved in sort of the levelling up and, and helping companies get more um, car you know, carbon neutral and heading to net zero. So that we've got that balanced agenda, but still actually showing that from an SME's perspective, we are all working towards the four key pillars as such that the government were and are, um, and how we believe that we need to be supported in those. Because at the end of the day, if that then filtered through to the rest of the SMEs, the government would probably achieve a lot of their agendas very, very quickly. Yeah, again, I couldn't agree more. Um, and just on your day job, Homel, um, what what the future plans for the business and presumably you're looking to grow? I know you're you're heavily into uh, training development, as you've all, already said. You know, what what's the next 12, 18 months or five, 10 years look like? Uh, I think initially um, we're really looking forward to the opportunities that sharing in growth is going to bring to the business. Um, but the ability and the opportunity to have every single person within this business to have the opportunity to have training and development um, and to feed into what the next stages of the business improvements are going to be. That's going to be something that after a very fragmented 18 months with COVID where, you know, for example, you know, I was supposed to be isolating, so I couldn't be on the shop floor as much as I used to be. So you couldn't have the big meetings that you used to have. So communication was, was fragmented. It's going to, I think, unite us all again and bring us back to this sort of one way of moving forward together. So I think that's the first one. Part of what they're going to do for us is help us with business development, because as a subcontract machine shop, everything with us is very sort of um, quick turnaround. It's very reactive. And we do want to be able to show um, some of the bigger businesses who offer more sort of contractual type arrangements just how good we are. We've got the most amazing approvals, you know, Rolls-Royce Nuclear, BAE Systems, Weapons, we've got, um, you know, Collins, Babcock. Um, and yet a lot of these businesses don't actually understand just how good we are and how much we can actually improve their performance. So we want to get that across and start getting a little bit more um, consistency of orders, you know, the, 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 the development orders, the, the, the stuff that comes in two, three, five-year contracts like Aero, Aero and Defence. Um, so that's another big focus and generally just grow together you know we have such an amazing team here such a loyal team um, the majority of people um, have been with us a very very long time and that's because you know we we treat everybody how we want to be treated but also how they want to be treated I, I think um, and it's just a case of growing steadily safely together We've got a new machine on its way, hopefully in the next couple of months, because we were successful in applying for a COVID recovery grant, which helps us bring in some new technology. So we'll be able to actually do um, multiple axis CNC turning at the minute. We're only offering two axis. So that's going to open new doors um, and, and, and be able to offer more of a complete package. Um, so, yeah, it's just a case of uh, moving forward enjoying the growth the improvement the development and and enjoying it whilst we're doing it 
That's the most important thing, of course. We uh, we spend as much time at work as we do at home, don't we? So you've got to enjoy it. But many thanks for um, coming on the podcast, Andrew. It's been uh, educational, both from the Honor perspective and the campaign from Minister of Manufacturing, or hopefully whatever and he she ends up being called. But really do appreciate you coming on the podcast. I know you're very, very busy. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll catch up soon. Thanks, and thanks so much for inviting us on, and thank you for supporting the campaign, and Honor, of course. Yep, back in with the news then. Um, there's positive news for the aerospace sector in August. We all know it's been, how do we put this, a tough time for the sector for the last 12, well, 18 months now, isn't it? Um, it's been a really tough time for 18 months, but, you know, it's good new facilities, new orders announced, make things on the up for the sector. Yeah, absolutely. It's certainly been a space of new orders. Um, just to announce the lead space jet to the hockey giants is ordered 36, potentially rising to 60. A321neos, the holiday giant's first order with the manufacturer. Um, US carrier Delta Airlines has ordered an additional 30 um, same aircraft actually, and this latest is in addition to, to the uh, carrier's existing orders, 425 A321, A321, um, which is great news to brought in the wing assembly plant. Um, you know, that's a company that pivoted, was hopping with the Ventilator challenge, so really good news for, for that plant in North Wales and the wider supply chain. A new facility, um, British Aircraft Seating Manufacturer, uh, Myrus has announced plans to build the UK's largest commercially available test in North Wales. So things are certainly happening, and I'm sure we'll be covering more in future podcasts. For sure, yeah. So that, that's the aerospace sector, and we've covered a, a number of other sectors. But if just to wrap up, because we're running out of time, you know, what other major stores have, have there been in the last month? Yeah, uh, quite a few. I've just picked a few, Joe. Um, so British Steel announced plans to invest £26 million at its Skin and Grove plant. This is the single largest investment for more than 30 years in its special profiles business. Ben Kitchens, currently building a new £120 million factory in Barton upon the Humber, is set to create 300 jobs at a new £20 million worktop for tips and uh, production facility in Dunthorpe. Um, Inward Investment, Australian-owned drill, drill rig manufacturer Triad Technology, is creating 120 jobs at a new multi-million pound factory in County Antrim. Building systems built at the plant will be exported around the world. Tight packaging is to fill planning permission for a new 50 million pound HQ and distribution centre in Coventry. Um, this is expected to create 200 jobs. And Japanese-owned Mitsu, um, the world's second largest manufacturer of construction and mining equipment, is set to create almost 100 new jobs and apprentices at its Berkeley plant in County Durham. A very do, they, do these people not know they're meant to be on holiday in August? There's, <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot going on, isn't there, for for a supposedly what's typically a quiet week in the world of manufacturing? And absolutely, and uh, you know, obviously, a lot of these companies are still on shutdown. But uh, yeah, August is normally quite uh, despite Brexit, pandemic, and pandemic. It's um, but yeah, it's been a, as you said right at the beginning. It's been a element of the sector. Absolutely. So. As always, we've run out of time like we always do. Um, there's a lot more available on the website, mtdmfg.com. Please do go and, and take a look. Better still, download the MTDMFG app. It's available all your usual places, whether you're iPhone, whether you're Android. So please do download that. Lots of exclusive content. You, you can listen to the podcast there as well. Um, a big thank you to you, Stuart, as always, for joining me. A uh, big thank you to Andrea Wilson, director of Ponal. And, yeah, thank you for listening at home. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Great British Manufacturing Podcast.
podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and a review. You can find us on Twitter using at MTDMFG and at Jefferson underscore MFG. Thank you.